0: Today, we're predicting Florida Gators football offensive stat leaders, defensive stat leaders, and then we're going to wrap up by taking a look at a YouTube comment from yesterday's episode about potential Gators All-Americans, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Thursday, I'm Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with whole nine sports Before getting into today's content. Just hit ask you a like subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave a comment review. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know how I can make it better besides changing the host. Cause I, you hate me sometimes, but it is what it is. Uh, we're going to talk about the Florida Gators stat leaders offensively, this segment, defensively next segment. And it's just going to be me predicting who I think it'll be. Um, with passing yards and passing touchdowns, it, obviously it's Anthony Richardson. Uh, he's the guy that we all almost all want to start, that we almost all think will start, um, and and he should be the starter here. So it's obviously Anthony Richardson is the option for passing yards and passing touchdowns. That one is again self-explanatory. Like it, it's the starting quarterback. Oh my goodness, so shocking. Um, of course, I'm not attribute, I'm not like thinking about injuries. If an injury happens, obviously it changes everything, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, Looking at rushing yards, I think it might be Lorenzo Lingard. Uh, I don't know if he'll even have the most carries, but I know that he's going to play significant snaps or I expect him to play significant snaps in this offense. And he's played well during spring ball. So he's earned those significant snaps, but he's also a pretty explosive runner. So I think just him just breaking off enough big runs will add up to him taking those chunks and becoming the team leader in rushing yards again. Whether or not he leads the team in carries, I don't know, but I I do think that Lorenzo Lingard has a legitimate shot at being the team's leading rusher this year, which is also a vastly different approach than I had going into spring ball. I was saying Lorenzo Lingard might be the odd man out. Now it's probably looking more like Demarcus Bowman than anybody else. Um, but I think Lorenzo Lingard could be the guy rushing touchdowns though. I have Montreal Johnson, who is who I used to said, we used to say, wow, would be the (laughs) leading rusher for the team, uh, due to his experience with Billy Napier's offense and working in the system. But I mean, that doesn't appear to be the case as if it's, it's not as big a gap as we initially thought, or I initially thought, uh, I do. I will say though, that if you look at the spring game, um, montrell johnson would come in on the goal line and so i think that montrell johnson is kind of going to be the goal line back here Uh, i again that's that's why i think he'll be the rushing touchdown leader i just think he's going to be the guy on the goal line if the spring game is any indicator then that that's my assumption for where he'd be lined up at and then looking at the passing game we got catches i put justin shorter uh i expect him to be a favorite on curls um just deep passes generally, just down the sideline, running a post, whatever it might be. I think that Justin uh, that Justin Shorter will be a primary target there. Uh, so I, I think that he's going to get the most touches there. Receiving yards, I could go Justin Shorter because I could simply just go, well, he's going to catch the most passes in my mind. So by using that process, if he's going to catch the most passes, he should have the most yards. Instead, of going J- Xavier Henderson. Um, because I think compared to last year, Xavier Henderson this year is going to be put in more or better position to make plays downfield um and I also think he's going to get more catch and run opportunities like one thing I like watching in the spring game was the way crossers were used crossing patterns uh they they helped get receivers open in that intermediate range but still with run with room to run and so I think Xavier Henderson might kind of eat on those um I also think that you know this could be it's Xavier Henderson's third year playing college football it's Xavier Henderson's that 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 major step that a lot of players take is from their second to third year um so I think this might be Xavier Henderson's time to kind of be the breakout guy because he's also been someone where we've been uh, just highly hyping him up he's been highly touted and he's never really answered that he's never really proven us right and so I'm just going to put the faith in him and say hey you know what you're you're going to do it this year. I, I think Xavier Henderson could be the leading receiver this year. Um, and then looking at receiving touchdowns as the last stat offensively, I, I put Keon Zipperer, but in, in my explanation, I'll explain. It. it could also be Dante Zanders or any other tight end. Um, if you watch the spring game, we saw a lot of that little PA boot slide action. And if you don't know what that is, that's where you have the tight end on, for example, the left side. The tight end, they they snap the ball. There's a little play fake. Um, The tight end comes across the formation behind the offensive line and then pretty much runs into the flat. And the quarterback usually fakes a handoff and then rolls out to the right. So you have the quarterback rolling to the right. So you have Anthony Richardson rolling to the right. You have a tight end in front of him, and they're kind of just going together. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm doing it with my fingers. you can see them kind of just go in line with each other. And then quarterback can just dump it off and pick up yards after the catch for the tight end. Uh, and that's what they did on the goal line. And I, I kind of expect that to be a staple of this offense. We've seen it happen a lot more. I've spoken about it before. We've seen a lot more offenses kind of work that into their system. Because it's easy yards after catch opportunity. And when you have an athletic tight end, you want yards after catch. That, that's the name of the game in, in modern football is get your, get the ball to your guys in space and let them make plays. And so that's kind of what we're seeing happen. And I think that's what we're going to see happen with whoever the tight end one will be. Again, I think it ultimately will be Keon zipper, but if it's Dante Sanders or anybody else on roster, uh, that wouldn't shock me. So I think that they will be the ones to lead the, uh, to lead the team in touchdowns just because, I mean, we we saw that PA boot slide happen on the goal line. I would expect to continue seeing that on the goal line. And then, of course, tight ends in general just tend to be more productive on the goal line, and I would expect nothing to change in this year, especially with running 12 personnel. You're going to have two tight ends in the field, more opportunities for the big guys to get touchdowns. So I think it's safe to say receiving touchdowns will go to tight end one, whoever that may be. We're about to flip to the defensive side of the ball, but first I'm going to talk to you guys about Bet Online because I don't know if you know this, but Bet Online recently released their Rookie of the Year odds. And if you want to bet on, I don't know, a former Florida Gator who was a first round pick on a Super Bowl contender team. You could do that. You could bet that Kyrie Elam will be the defensive rookie of the year. It's currently plus 2,000 odds, which means that if you bet $1, you get $20. If you bet $10, you get $200. If you bet $100, you get $2,000. So free money if you think he can do it. And, I mean, I'm just saying Bet Online has so much more. You could look at receiving leaders, uh, touchdown leaders. There's just an insane number of things you could bet on with bet online. It's not even just sports. You could bet on finances. Um, you could bet on reality TV, politics, award shows, just so much. Check out betonline.net. It's where the game starts. Thanks again for making lock. Thank your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts, looking at the defensive side of the ball. Now, and these defensively, obviously there are less stats defensively. Um, but we're going to look at them anyway, because looking at tackles first, which is the most um, vanilla stat, it's the most, I don't even know what the word, the most misused stat is tackles. Um, I'm picking this year's tackle leader to be Dewan Black. Um, last year, it was Rashad Torrance, which don't even get me started because you, you guys are killing me with this uh, with this Rashad Torrance rhetoric lately. Um... But I picked one Black because he's obviously a linebacker. He is a, a freaky athlete at linebacker, and that helps him a lot in this regard because since he's a linebacker, he's closer to the line of scrimmage to make plays against the run. Since he's a linebacker, he'll be in coverage, and if his man catches the ball, he can make the tackle. Since he's a linebacker, he's going to be in coverage, and if he's in coverage and someone else's man makes the catch or someone else's zone has the catch, he can go over there and make the play. And he just is so athletic where I'm just like, you know, just put him on the field somewhere and let him let him play chase. Um, and obviously, I think the best run defender will be Ventro Miller. I think that's safe to say, or at least the, at the very least, the best run defending linebacker will be Ventro Miller. Um, but Dewan Black's athleticism and versatility and just the fact that he'll be all over the field, I think, help him pad the stats a little bit more. I guess that'd be the word to use where, yeah, I, I think that he'll just be in uh position more often to make more plays and he will then make those plays. Uh, looking at sacks, Brenton Cox Jr. obviously is, is the pick here. Um, I think he's highly motivated to have one last strong season before going pro he led the team last season so there is no reason really to not expect him to do it again um but it, it's also last year his biggest con- his biggest competition for this was Zachary Carter this year's biggest competition for this is Jervon Dexter or Princely Lee Uman the point is that his biggest competition is someone who's not proven to be a high caliber Pass rusher, despite having the traits that Princeley has or that Javon Dexter has, um, but Brendan Cox Jr. is proven. And again, last season he took off a lot of plays, and that, that's just a simple fact. Whether it was injury, fatigue, whatever it was, he took off a lot of plays last year. That's that's just what it is. Uh, this year, no, <laughs> this year not not so much. I don't think that we see that same thing happen because that's the biggest complaint with Brendan Cox Jr. That's it. That's the biggest question mark with Brenton Cox Jr. and his NFL future is, will we get consistent, high-motor Brenton Cox Jr.? If you do, you're getting an elite pass rusher. If you don't, well, you're going to get one of the most frustrating edge rushers in the past five years, maybe? Uh, So so I I think Brenton Cox wants to answer that question. Looking at tackles for a loss, I picked Javon Dexter here, mainly because I didn't want to just repeat players. Um, but also Brenton Cox Jr. will have the possible advantage here because sacks count as sacks for a loss, but I think Javon Dexter is the guy that I'm going to roll with just because I think he's going to be a killer in the run game. Um, he's obviously a very talented defensive lineman, but yeah, I, I think that him taking that next step in the run game is, is crucial. Uh, Because there are two big questions surrounding Javon Dexter when you look at him as an NFL prospect. It is, could he consistently dominate? Because we saw him dominate for stretches last year, and then we saw him go ghost for stretches last year. And how stout will he be against the run? Because last year, he was kind of just three tech, pin your ears back, go get him. Um which he, he could play that role a bit this year, but he's going to be more heavily relied upon in the run game because while we do have that nose tackle role filled, whether it's Jalen Lee, Jalen Humphreys, um, Desmond Watson, whoever it is, that's not really a run stopper. That's a space eater to give Jervon Dexter that one-on-one and let Jervon kind of tear through and make the play. So I think that that things are shaping up for Jervon Dexter to be a legitimate player. Uh, Uh, again, run killer this year. Um, So I think Javon Dexter is my leader for tackles for a loss. And then we're going to the uh, the exact polar opposite of tackles for a loss. We're going to interceptions, which is the last defensive stat that we are going to look at. And I am telling you now, I'm saying it's Rashad Torrance second, um, which Go ahead. That just I know right now. Some of you are just boo. Yeah, sure. I don't care. I get mad all you. Want. I'm literally while I'm recording this. I'm getting YouTube comments about yesterday's episode with Rashad Torrance. Um, Rashad Torrance II led the team in interceptions last year. Uh, I think that this year he'll be put in a better position to do that again. By playing more of that deep safety role, or like a lot of people say free safety, um, but it's deep safety role, free safety, strong safety is kind of just not a thing anymore. It's kind of deep safety and box safety. Um, But I think Rashad Torrance will play more of that deep safety role. But I also think that the defensive scheme in general will lead to more takeaways because it makes quarterbacks second guess themselves when you see a defensive lineman drop back into coverage and a linebacker blitz. And it it makes you second guess yourself there and kind of make another split decision that you weren't really anticipating making. And maybe what you do is throw a bad pass, whether it's a bad pass in terms of uh, it was inaccurate or whether it's a bad pass in terms of you made the wrong read and it was an accurate pass. but you made the wrong read and there was a defender there, whatever it might be. I think that, the defense is going to be put in better position to make more plays on the ball this year. Rashad Torrance being the deep safety. uh, Whenever there's a deep ball thrown, he's obviously going to be in better position to make that play on the ball. I also think when you look at corners, we're going to rotate more than we rotate safeties. So when you look at corners, there's going to be not less opportunities, but there's going to be more opportunities for more people. Uh, Linebacker, I don't think that they're going to be leading the team in interceptions. Uh, Trey Dean is going to be playing more of a box safety role, so I don't think he leads the team in interceptions, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. So Rashad Torrance II is my guy to repeat for that one. And then we're about to take a look at a, a conversation that Rashad Torrance II sparked just by being talked about in yesterday's episode of Lockdown Gators. But first, a word from our sponsors real quick. To wrap up today's show, we are talking about First time Florida Gator All-Americans because there was um, a bit of debate that got sparked yesterday when I talked about Rashad Torrance II. And I said, I believe he's an all-safe, I believe he's an all SEC safety, I believe he could be an all-American safety, I believe he's one of the best safeties in the country. Um and y'all yeah, got a little bit upset about that. I'm just <laughs> sensitive. Uh, so yesterday I spoke about him being an all-American caliber safety. And then yesterday morning, I got a comment saying that that was unrealistic because he hasn't even made an All-SEC team yet, which was interesting because I wanted to look into it, but uh, the exact comment was, please help me understand how someone can go from never making the the All-SEC team to All-American. I like Torrance and think he's good, but not All-American. So they're not saying he's not good enough, but they're saying that because he wasn't All-SEC last year... Uh, he can't be an All-American this year. And that got me thinking, because I was like, there's no way that that's true, that there's a correlation between that. Um, There isn't a correlation between, well, he wasn't All-SEC, so he can't be All-American. Um Again, this is saying that since he wasn't All-SEC in 2021, he can't be All-American in 2022. Um, Obviously, if you're going to be an All-American, you're going to be an All-SEC player as well. But the interesting thing about that is, um, no, that's horribly wrong. In 2021, so this past season, Evan Neal and DeMarvin Leal were both All-Americans. Evan Neal, of course, from Alabama. DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M were both All-Americans. But prior to the 2021 season, they they weren't all SEC players. And don't say it's because they were backups, because they were starters. They're they're both. I I mean, DeMarvin Leal is like a two two and a half year starter. Evan Neal is a three year starter. Uh, so no, that that's not a valid argument for that. But then I was like, maybe that's a fluke. Maybe I'm wrong. So then I went back to 2020. Uh, Mac Jones, Elijah Moore, and Patrick Sertain II were all Americans. But the year before that, they weren't all SEC players. The only argument you could make for uh, not like he wasn't a starter is Mac Jones. Um, so, wrong again. Then you go to 2019, maybe, maybe it's just a recent thing. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase were All-Americans, despite never making an All-SEC team. Hmm, that's that's interesting stuff, isn't it? Um. So keep in mind also, I'm only talking about the SEC. There are four other Power Five conferences, and there are even the Group of Five conferences where... They could all be All-Americans, and I didn't even look as to whether or not they were all conference players the year or two years or three years before that. So, no, that's that's a severely flawed argument about, well, he didn't make the All-SEC team this year or this past year, so he can't make the All-American team this coming year. That's just flawed because if that was an actual thing that mattered, It wouldn't have happened seven times in the past three years, five times in the past two years, and twice this past year. So that's just wrong. Like that's just going well. He doesn't have the resume to be an All American. It it makes no sense. Um, That it's just foolish. Um, But also, so like you could tell me how it's unrealistic for that reason. Um, You'd be wrong. But you could tell me about how it's unrealistic. But if you think players like Rashad Torrance II, and even if you want to stop talking about Rashad Torrance II, we can do that. Because there is another Florida Gators defensive player where we keep going, he's an All-American caliber talent. He's an All-American player. He's a first-round pick. He's this, he's that. Javon Dexter, who Javon Dexter didn't make the All-SEC team this past year. He didn't make it the year before. But yet we constantly talk about him as an All-American caliber talent. Um, so makes no sense. If you want to tell me that they are not talented enough to be all Americans, go ahead. But I mean, to just say they weren't all SEC this year, so they can't be all American next year is is foolish and horribly, horribly uninformed. That's just not a good point. It's also just a weak argument in general, because I started talking about this with other locked on college hosts because I was like like this I'm not crazy for thinking this is a bad argument right and they're like no that's, that's a horrible argument um which by the way like like thanks for listening love you for listening but that's just a horrible argument to make um because you're also then at that point completely discounting uh player development and you're also completely ignoring that great players ahead of them have left for the NFL like and also you're completely ignoring that if you're a top player in the Southeastern Conference, there is a decent chance that you were an All-American player because, obviously, the SEC is is the NFL light. Um, like, you could talk about the Big Ten having Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, but, I mean, no. Uh, they're, they're, just, they're just They have a couple teams at the top, and their bad teams are bad. Florida or the SEC has a bad team where it's like Vanderbilt is a bad team, but that's kind of the only one where you go, they'd be a bad team in any conference. Every other team, I think you can go, if you put them in any other conference, like if you put them in the Big 12, that's the most reasonable one to put them in, they'd be one of the top teams in the Big 12. So no, if you're a top player in the SEC, you're probably a top player in the country. You're probably an All-American caliber player. And just because you didn't make the All-SEC, which is, again, basically saying an All-American team, then you can't do it. No, that just makes no sense. If you make an all-SEC team, you're probably at, at the very least in the conversation for being an All-American player. Uh, so th- it's a simple. And like this past year was kind of fluky, where Notre Dame's not a conference team really. They're they're an independent, even though they play the ACC. And Kyle Hamilton made it. Uh, Sauce Gardner with the AAC in Cincinnati. He uh, he he made the all-American team without being an all SEC player. Um, and so they're kind of outliers of non-power five players making it to be all American talent. But yeah, to just say, oh, he never made the all SEC team, so he can't make an all-American team next year isn't a good argument. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more on your Florida Gators. Now make your second listen Lockdown NFL draft. Brian Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices for Locked On Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole9Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports, and I will see you all tomorrow.